Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to the Gospel according to Luke chapter 17 and reading for our text verse 18. Verse 18, There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And the subject upon my spirit is returning to give thanks or glory unto God. We read this account together of how our Lord was met by ten lepers. It was as he was passing through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And they cried unto him, Master, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And instead of the Lord healing them then and there or pronouncing a healing upon them, he directed them to do which was required under the law for one that was already healed of leprosy to go unto the priest and to show themselves. And in one sense, their returning, their going to the priest was an, an act of, of faith, an act of believing that they could go. They didn't stand and say, well, uh, we, we cannot go. We, we, uh, we are still defiled. Of course, they may have felt it in the way that there was under the law, even if they still had leprosy, it was the priest that was to determine whether it really was healed, whether it was still there or not. And so it may not have seemed a strange thing to them in that way, but of course they had asked that they be healed. And as they went, they were healed. We read of that. And only one of them, though, he saw when he saw that he was healed, he turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell upon his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger and he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. There are several things I want to notice by way of introduction, and that is the joining together here of thanks and giving glory. We read in verse uh, 16, that he fell at his feet, giving him thanks. That is what he did. But then we read in our text that he had returned, not to give thanks, it's worded differently here, it is returned to give glory to God. Maybe remember that right at the start. If anything we carry away from the Lord's house today, it is that giving of thanks is giving glory to God. It is returning to God. It is owning that he is 
the giver of those things that we have received, whether it is in providence, whether it is healing, whether it is health and strength, whether it has come through some means, which is a natural means or not, that we be able to give thanks in a way that gives the glory to God. It owns that this blessing has come from God. He is the author of it. Without his hand, without his blessing, we would not have it at all. And so we want to join those two things together. And as we gather in the Lord's house, outside of the chapel here, we have the words, or some of the words, of Psalm 100, which is a psalm of praise. And the words begin that we have at the front of the chapel, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. And we feel how fitting that is for the house of God to be just in those couple of verses, or really just in verse 4, reminded of thanksgiving and of praise. And that is why we come into the house of God and we are to come there with thanksgiving and come with praise and to bless his name. It's also a reminder that these truths that we hold forth of these blessings of the Lord, they're not just for generations that have gone before us. It's not antiquated. It's not that which is not applicable to our generation. We are to be reminded that his mercy is everlasting and that his truth endureth to all generations, not just uh, to the older generation of our day, but to the children, the young people as well, and one generation to another, the fathers to the children, to show the wonderful works of God. It's a very sad thing when you get a situation like the uh, church in which some of us knew, and I preached in in Australia in Geelong that has been sold and is now a cafe and over the pulpit still is engraved in the wall thou God seest me and yet under under those words no longer a pulpit but a bar and the baptistry covered with a clear glass covering or plexiglass covering and underneath a Bible and the communion set and a few other things and round the wall, the old pictures of the chapel when it was used as a chapel and the whole message is this is a museum. This is what these poor deluded people used to do once when they gathered in this building but now in the great and day of enlightenment we just use it as a cafe. Couldn't be further from the truth. Yes, that church is closed, most sadly so withdrawing of the Spirit and the blessing in that place. But the Lord is on the throne. He is the same. These are not things that belong to another generation. It's not things like the uh, steam engine that has been replaced by the, the, the petrol engine. It's not the drafting board that I used to use for many years in 
design and engineering design replaced now by computer aided design that again that I used to do never again I look at those boxes of instruments and things I never use them again I don't need those skills anymore the things of God are not like that the word of God is not like that it endures forever and to ever all generations and we have to remember that and that includes the thanksgiving and the praise the Lord is as much in control in this world as much supplying the needs of his people today as he was with David and the dear saints of old he is the same and we are still dependent upon him the same in David's day the same in the day of these lepers the glory and thanks to the Lord. They equate to the same. So this should be uh, the desire of all the people of God. David in uh, the Chronicles, he uh, speaks of how this is his prayer and his desire uh, that it might be thanks. When David brought up the ark, the you might say the first time or after after it was corrected, it's brought up on the shoulders of the uh, the, the Levites. But then he he gives the direction in, in in psalm in singing in one Chronicles chapter sixteen and verse thirty four. And we read there, O oh, give thanks unto the Lord. For he is good, for his mercy endureth for ever. And say ye, save us, O God, of our salvation, and gather us together and deliver us from the heathen, that we may give thanks to thy holy name and glory to in thy praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel for ever and ever. And all the people said, Amen, and praised the Lord. And David's desire was that there be that thanks and that glory to God. But how backward we are in that. This is very evident in Psalm 107. The joining together of thanks and praise is very much in that psalm. In the first verse we read, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth for ever. And then when we come down to verse 8, O that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Right through that psalm there's that, O that men would praise the Lord. O that there would be that thanks to the Lord. Men are very backward. We are very backward to do so. And so it is a real mark as in the words of our text of a blessing, a, a real evidence of a difference that has been wrought in us when we do give thanks, when we do return to the Lord, when we do give him glory. And so in looking at this subject, returning to give thanks or glory to God, I want to look with the Lord's help at three points. Firstly, a separating action. This returning to give glory to God is a separating action. 
Secondly, to notice some things that keep us back from thanksgiving to God. And then thirdly, the company we keep in giving thanks and glory to God. But firstly, this is a separating action, and in our text it very evidently is. We can picture these ten lepers, and they all came to the Lord. They seem to be at one. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And then when he gave them that direction and they went to be cleansed, then there comes this separation. And we can picture these these ten walking together, going together to the priest, and suddenly one of them, one of them separates from that company and he goes back and the others keep on going, but he separates and he goes back. They are going to the priest. He is going to the Lord. He is going to the one who had spoken those words to them and the one that they had asked to have mercy on them and to uh, have that cleansing. And so very evidently with them it was a separating. It separated between those ten. The Lord says, where? Are the nine? Were there not ten cleansed? The Lord knew what had happened there. But here there is a separation. Now I want to notice another thing here. And that is the blessing of common grace. The Lord is good to all. His tender mercies are over all his works. There are not two forces acting in this world. He causes his sun to shine upon the just and unjust, him that serveth him and him that serveth him not. Some are not healed by the hand of God, blessing the means used, and others are not healed just by the means alone. It is not that one God is working in some people and another God in other people. There is only one God, one true and living God, who blesses those that even curse him and those that are his enemies. He is good to all. His tender mercies are over all his works. And it is vital that we realise this, even in this account that we have before us, We have the Lord acting the same towards all ten, though he knew that nine of them would never return to give thanks to him at all. He still gave that blessing to them. And this is happening every day. It is right through the world, every blessing that we have, the food that we have, the water we drink, uh, all the kindness, the goodness the Lord gives us, out of a deserved hell. And we must remember that. We deserve nothing at the Lord's hand. And all that we have out of a deserved hell is the goodness and mercy of God. He is the saviour of all men, especially of them that believe. And you may say that all ten here, 
They tasted that the Lord was gracious. We read in Peter's writings, If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. And very many of the Lord's dear people, they have gone from tasting the Lord is gracious in a natural way, in temporal things, and then tasted it in a spiritual way. Then we have it here, because our Lord was able to say to this stranger, to this Samaritan, one that was despised by the Jews, that it was his faith that saved him. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Arise, go thy way. There was that difference, a separating action, not just physically, but it separated this man as a man that had faith. Faith, not just to believe that he was whole, but to see that the Lord Jesus, who had spoken this word, that he was the Lord of life and glory. He was the one that had wrought this and done this in them and healed them and who he was. We think of how our Lord with those that ate of the loaves and the fishes in John 6 and they followed him afterwards over the sea to the other side. And the Lord knew their hearts, he knew their motive. People can do the same thing, but the motive be wrong. He said, ye seek me not because ye did see the miracle, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labour not for the meat that perisheth, but for that which endureth unto eternal life. And he discerned again, there are people that were partaking of the benefit in food for their bodies and they would follow the Lord for that, following him for the loaves and the fishes. This is the same principle that Job was accused of by Satan, doth Job follow thee for naught? Or doth he not fear thee for naught? Thou hast hedged him about, thou hast given him all that he's got, touch what he has and he cursed thee to thy face. Satan knew that for the majority of men, they would take the good from the Lord, but ignore the Lord, ignore the hand that gives it. They'll only serve the Lord while he gives them good. And you find that with the world at large. They'll have no need or no following the Lord or seeking him while everything goes good in their lives. When something goes wrong, then the Lord is an evil God, is a bad God, a God that brings evil in their lives. But when things are going good, well, that was lucky, and that was good, and that was the result of their efforts, and God is not giving the glory for, for what happens in their lives. God is not in all their thoughts, and yet they serve him, as it were, for the loaves or fishes, for what things they get. How many in times of trial will immediately come to the Lord, cry to the Lord, and yet they've never had been mindful of him at all beforehand, and when the Lord appears and helps them, afterwards they immediately forget. 
and never return to give thanks, we should not overlook this account that shows what a separating, distinguishing blessing it is that when we have got in our hands a blessing, something that we value, we've wanted, we've asked for, and that really the natural thought of our mind is to go and enjoy that and to use that to actually stop and to not go along using it without first going and giving thanks to the Lord, looking to where it came from. And so that is why our Lord, with those that eaten of the loaves and the fishes, had had a wonderful miracle set before them. They overlooked that completely, overlooked the person who'd wrought it, overlooked that what that was a sign of, and all they could see was some food for their bodies. Of course, later on in that chapter, the Lord's teaching of eating his flesh, drinking his blood, all the time they're stumbling because they're thinking in a natural way. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They're men of the earth, they're natural, they cannot see the spiritual blessings, same as Nicodemus at first. Couldn't see the spiritual birth, he's thinking all the time a natural birth. But here is a separating effect where they're seeing and realising the Lord's hand in these things. My life's minute circumstances subject to his eye. Well, we may have then temporal blessings, those things that we <coughs> recognise as the Lord's hand and the Lord's work and separate from those around about us and give thanks to the Lord for them. But then there are also those spiritual blessings as well. And the real effect of grace, in one way you might say it comes to another level, another step. You have a separating in providential temporal things and giving thanks to the Lord. And then the Lord gives things which he does not give to the world at large. When our Lord rose from the dead, he only appeared to his disciples. He didn't. Uh, appear to the world at large and the disciples in the gospel according to John they puzzled how the Lord would reveal himself to them but not to the world how would that be so and the Lord said it was through the spirit the world could not see the Holy Spirit and therefore they would not have the Lord revealed to them he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. The Holy Spirit reveals to the people of God the things of God, reveals it through the word of God. Open thou mine eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. It is the blessing that the Bereans had who searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so therefore many of them believed it was what the two on the way to Emmaus has as the Lord opened to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself and he didn't leave them unmoved their heart burned within them and then later on he did what of course cannot be done now in the gospel day 
he literally showed them his hands and his feet. He showed them himself. And uh, there he was, risen indeed. Risen from the dead and later to ascend up into heaven. So then there's another level there where the Lord blesses with spiritual blessings and then we give the Lord thanks for that. Thanks that he has blessed his word to us. Thanks that he has revealed himself to us through his word. Remember what he said of Dear Samuel, remember Samuel, he did not yet know the Lord and the Lord came and stood and spoke to him. And then we read at the end of chapter 3 in 1 Samuel, and the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. How did the Lord appear? The Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh. How did he reveal himself to Samuel? By the word of the Lord. That is how he revealed himself to Samuel. And so when we give him those spiritual blessings, then there's another token for good, another separating thing, that there's a returning to the Lord in it. Humbled that the Lord should ever bless us. The writer said, Why was I made to hear thy voice to enter while this room? While millions make a wretched choice, rather starve than come. And those that have those blessings are mindful of them. They prize them. They prize uh, every softening of heart. Every time the word is open to them. Every time that they are drawn. No man can come unto me except the Father which sent me draw him. Every time we feel that drawing. Every time... Really that we feel the Lord's reproving hand. Good for me that I was afflicted. To be able to discern the chastening hand. It is the Lord. Let him do, says Eli, what seemeth him good unto me. And there's a giving glory to the Lord. And thanks that the Lord is mindful of us. He's not silent to us. He speaks to us through the word. He speaks to us through providence. Hear ye the rod, and who hath appointed it? Who hath appointed it? And is giving thanks for those things. So this is a separate. He separates who are the lords and who are not. Is a mark of the people of God who return back to the Lord, return to give thanks return to give glory unto him. And we might say then, it is an effect of grace. It is by grace that we be brought to give thanks. The free and merited favour of God. But I want to add another dimension or aspect to this, because some might say, well, If it is by grace, then surely it will be all the time automatic that we give thanks. And yet there are some times you might say, I don't feel to give thanks. And it's hard to do so. And I'm having to wrestle and struggle with being able to give thanks for various reasons. And we'll look at them in a moment. And so to look at it in this way, there's a mark of separation in that it is done in obedience. 
when the Lord blesses in a spiritual way, he makes the people obedient. Now it's very evident through the word of God that we are to give thanks. It is a New Testament, Old Testament as well, command to give thanks. We, we read of it in, in the Psalms, and David has it, but very much prominent in the New. And especially, I'll take you through a few verses from Paul's epistle to the uh, Colossians. When Paul writes to the Colossians, he says in chapter 1, verse 3, we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. So he gives thanks for the Colossians. Later on in verse 12, he says, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. And what is being set before us is the duty of thanksgiving for the people of God, the path that they are to learn from the word of God to walk in. And so it then becomes part of the exhortations of the word of God, which where we are given the new birth, where we're given a hearing ear, even though we might not feel in ourselves that rising up and the bubbling up of giving thanks, we have to understand what we are called as the people of God to do. And the world will say, well, we are unteachable. We don't want to learn about this. But if we are made tender, we'll listen to the word. And though we might not feel it bubbling up within, yet... We are to seek that we might be thankful in these ways and at these times. So he says in verse 7 of chapter 2, well, verse 6 as well, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving and so there becomes an exhortation to walk in thanksgiving and when we thought of psalm 107 how backward we are yes even god's people are but hopefully we have got an ear that is open to listen to the word and to receive that exhortation so we read in chapter 3 of colossians again in verse 17 Whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Again, it is a very clear direction to us. Even in the directions in chapter 4, to masters, Give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a father, a master in heaven. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. This exhortation, and you think of these lepers, in effect prayer, have mercy upon us. 
watch. The Samaritan, he did watch. He saw that he was healed. And then immediately returned with thanksgiving. How much do we watch in prayer? If we were asked this morning, what have you prayed for today? What have you asked for? Would you say, well, my prayers are so general, I haven't really asked for anything specific. Or perhaps you've asked for things that are very specific. You might have asked that the Lord's servant bring a specific subject or a specific text or answer your need. And then you're to watch, has that happened? Has the Lord answered your prayer? And if he has, then it is with thanksgiving. The three things going together, isn't it? Prayer and watching, thanksgiving. Our prayers should be such that if answered, we can clearly say they are answered and give thanks for the answer that has been given. And to be very specific. You think of David when, with his men, he went to rescue the men of Keilah because the Philistines robbed the threshing floors and when he was in the city and Saul was pursuing him, King Saul, and King Saul said that he now would be able to take David because David was in a city that had gates and bars. And David heard that Saul was practising mischief against him And so he prayed to the Lord and he asked two things. He asked whether Saul would really come and he asked whether the people of Keilah would deliver him up into Saul's hand. And the Lord answered and said that Saul would come. But he didn't answer the second part of David's petition. And David recognised and knew he'd only got half an answer. So he went back to the Lord again in prayer and asked, Will the people, men of Keilah, deliver me up? And the Lord said, Yes, they would. So David went out of the city. I always like that account as really illustrating the difference between fatalism and election. Fatalism would say, Well, Saul's going to come, they're going to deliver me up. Hopeless case, nothing I can do. This this is what is determined. But election takes the warning of it and David goes out of the city. Saul hears he has escaped. He doesn't come and the men don't deliver up. So was what the Lord said all wrong? No, if David had stayed in the city, Saul would have come and the men would have delivered him up. It's a good example. It's a good example also of when a prayer is only half answered, to go back to the Lord, to recognise it is and ask of the Lord. So we are to walk in that path of obedience. When Paul writes to the Thessalonians, his first epistle to them in chapter 5, in verse 18, he, he exhorts in verse 17, but pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What a clear word of direction to the people of God. People of God that may be asking, Lord, what is the will of God concerning me? What what is thy will concerning me? 
The Lord said, this is the will of God concerning you, that you are to give thanks. Well, what, Lord? What things? In everything. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God concerning you. So, we're not to think then, not to be discouraged, and say, well, because we're not automatically given thanks, because we've got some reluctance or backwardness to do it, then we can't have grace. But is our ear opened? Are we willing to be taught and instructed by the Lord as to what his will is for us? The world won't take any notice of that. Those that are uncalled will not take any notice of that. But I hope if the tender fear of God is in our eyes, we want to do what the Lord would have us to do. And it'll be one of the things we'll ask for grace. Lord, give me grace to give thanks on this particular occasion when perhaps there are things that are holding me back from doing so. And so I want to look the Lord's help at our second point, those things that keep us back from giving thanks and praise to God. The first thing that I mention is unbelief. The niggling thought, well, perhaps it wasn't God anyway. It was just some other force. And so, because it's not really him, we're not going to go and give thanks unto God. May we always be mindful of the unbelief that works in our hearts. And may we cleave to the word that, uh, who is he that saith, and it cometh to pass, when the Lord commandeth it not, all things come from the Lord, and it is his hand. Paul says in Acts 17, in him we live and move and have our being, inseparable from the Lord. But then there can also be, when there is an aspect of the gift that mars it in our eyes some blemish or something that is is not quite right. We might have the the gift of, of a holiday. We, we have the time, we go away. And then maybe the weather is bad. And so we, we're hesitant about giving thanks for the holiday because, well, it's a pity the weather wasn't very good. Or maybe we still carried all our worries and all our trials and all our troubles and we haven't been able to let go of them or others have pushed them upon us. And because of that, we, it clowns the blessing of the time away, clouds the blessing that we've had received and in some days very precious days or when the word has been so blessed to us. Because of those little things that have marred in our eyes, then we don't give thanks. It's not been exactly what we've thought or what we've asked for. How many child has had a present? And it's perhaps what they've asked for, but not exactly. And so instead of giving thanks to the parent, they're complaining, they're moaning, well, I didn't like that colour, I wanted a different colour. I wanted one that had an electric motor on it and this hasn't. Uh, these sort th- of things that mar 
and the giving of thanks can come into our lives so often and it robs the Lord of his glory because of these things. Is there something that we should be giving thanks for? But there's some aspects in it that weren't exactly what we wanted or that have been a sorrow to us. And so we say, Lord, because of that, I'm not going to give thanks at all. I'm not going to return with thanks. Another reason is, is when the blessing is minimised. And I find this often, Satan does this, you'll ask for something, and when it is given, Satan will come in, ah, it's nothing. It's naught, it is naught, saith the buyer. And he just minimises the blessing. I often found a good thing to do with that is to go back in our mind to when we didn't have it. Maybe it was the phone that was lost, a key that was lost. We didn't know where it was. What would happen if we had lost them forever? We wouldn't have that key. We wouldn't have our phone, whatever it was. And we pray for it and we find it. And the devil says, well, you would have found it anyway. It was such an obvious place. Go back to when you'd lost it. Go back to when you were so anxious, when you so were fearing the consequences and now think, I'm now in the position I have it. And then give thanks and then give praise. The devil all the time minimise the work of God, the wonder of it, the answer to prayer of it. And so go back to when it was a real burden, real concern. Like these lepers, if they went back to when they were still lepers, went back to when they were pleading for the Lord to have mercy upon them, how much more they would then have given Things, realise what had been done. Another thing that can cause us to not give thanks is though we may really bless the Lord and want to give thanks or should give thanks for the specific thing that we've had, there's something else that weighs upon us. We might have been had the Lord appear for us in providence and we are thankful for that, we are pleased with that. But then we, we, we're sick, we're not well. And because of, of that trial, we don't give thanks for the other blessing. One of the hymns speaks of us, when one trial doth a man seize, and when that lets him go, then another doth him seize. And you know, we go from one snare to another snare, from one affliction to another affliction, from one trial to another trial. And sometimes these are hard, fast upon another. And when we don't get the everything right, then we're likely to say, well, until we have everything blessed and everything right, then we're not going to return to give thanks. And yet, you might say with the leper here, if he hadn't returned thanks, you would never have heard the words of our Lord, thy faith has saved thee. In actually returning, he had that double blessing. There may also be those things that have happened afterwards 
Don't stop our mouths. And this is a, a real argument for being instant in thanksgiving. When the Lord appeared to Moses in the wilderness and sent him to deliver or be the means of delivering Israel from Egypt, at first Moses, he had every argument that the children of Israel would not believe him. The Lord gave him signs to show before them and they did believe and they did give thanks. They did give glory to God. They were still in Egypt. They were still in bondage. It is right that they should give thanks then because very soon Pharaoh started to make their burdens even harder. And then they were so much in anguish of spirit, even though Moses spoke to them of what the Lord was going to do for them, they would not hear for anguish of spirit. And sometimes it is with us. If we leave it too late and not instant, and think if the children of Israel had said, well, we're not going to give thanks until we're out of Egypt, then we'll give thanks. It would have been too late. We're to be instant. We're to give thanks as the Lord gives his blessings, owning it to the Lord, going back to the Lord, giving glory to the Lord for what he has done. Not all the time with that thought, well, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see how it turns out, and then we'll give thanks. Very often the world will say, you you gave thanks too soon. Just thinking of that, how many times in my life I've had it, I've been driving along the road and something's come into my mind. You've had, so, you've had several months of good health. What a blessing that is. I've been really thankful for it. And then the next day I've come down ill. And I've told that to some of the world and they immediately say, well, you shouldn't have said it. It's, it's bad luck to realise that and to say you've had all these months of good uh, hell, that's why that's happened. I've never viewed it like that. I've always viewed it that before the Lord has taken away a blessing, He's shown me that blessing first and given. So I gave thanks for good health for several months. Then, when He's taken it away, I could say with Job, The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I've had that happen in several things through my life that I've gone for a while not being even mindful of a blessing, then being mindful of it, giving thanks for it, and immediately it's taken away. But the Lord has done it so he does get the praise, he does get the honour, and we're able to say then the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Be mindful, dear friends, of those things that rob the Lord of thanks, rob the Lord of praise. It's very easy to to happen. You know, before going away on holiday, uh, I prepared or prepared the rough skeleton of the sermon here today, this morning. And so the hymns were chosen some two and a half weeks or so ago and the subject chosen. And my anticipation would be we'd come back from holiday and able to be completely refreshed and be able to give so much thanks and praise to God. Well, some of the things that have happened in the couple of weeks when I viewed this subject, I thought, well, 
you shouldn't have chosen that. How are you going to go now? And yet it's been really reproof to me. It was chosen rightly. It is a right subject. But it's just that these things come and would rob the Lord of his honour and glory. And I hope it be a help to some others as well. Some of you may be in similar ways of which you have things in your life, things the Lord has done. And because of other things, then your, your thanksgiving, your praise, even if it is not completely extinguished, is very much dampened, not very enthusiastic at all. And so the Lord knows our need, and I trust that he knew our need here this morning. Well, I want to then look thirdly at the company we are keeping in returning to give thanks to the Lord. And just to mention a few, we mentioned Israel, and of course the Lord did eventually deliver them out of Egypt. When they came through the Red Sea, then they sung the song of Moses. How they so praised the Lord. Three days later they are murmuring at the waters of Marah because they were bitter and they couldn't drink them. At that beautiful time, that song of Moses, a song of deliverance was there when they saw their enemies dead, when they realised such a wonderful deliverance. We're in company with them. We're in company with Naaman, again a leper, a Syrian, that came to be healed and first was very angry because it wasn't in the way that he thought it would be. He thought that Elisha would come out and that he would do some wonderful dramatic thing. But instead he told him to go to Jordan, not to one of the rivers of Damascus, but to Jordan and to wash himself seven times and to come again. And he went away angry. And it was his servants that persuaded him to do as he was bade. And when he did, the Lord still used that means to heal him of his leprosy. But he didn't just go home and just didn't go back to Syria and say, oh, you know, I was angry with the man and uh, I, I can't go back to him now. No, he returned. He wanted to uh, give presents. Well, Elisha wouldn't take them. Most solemnly, Gehazi lied, deceived, and uh, got the presents, also had the leprosy of uh, Naaman put upon him as a judgment from God. But Naaman, he didn't just go back to his own country. He returned. He returned to the man of God and gave thanks. And there is an aspect there. The Lord's servants, those that are the means of the blessing, it is a good thing where there is that acknowledgement. The Lord says, He that receiveth you, receiveth me. He that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. And it's a good thing, where those who have been blessed under the servants of the Lord, go back to them, give them their penny, acknowledge the Lord's hand through them, and very often there's sometimes a lifelong union between those who have spoken the word and those who have been blessed under the word. And there's many churches that their strength lies in that. 
that their congregations are those that have been blessed under the ministry of their pastor and of those who ministered to them. And so may we be in the company of Naaman in that way, not as it were lifting up man on his own, but lifting up God who has used man as an instrument, God's own appointed ways, and the glory be to the Lord's, with encouragement uh, ours. Then we have Hannah. Hannah, who prayed for a child, for this child I prayed, the Lord hath given me my petition that I have asked of him. And we have in uh, 1 Samuel 2, the first 10 verses there, where, Sam, where Hannah goes to pray, and her whole prayer, it doesn't mention Samuel, is all praise and glory to God. May that be a real pattern to us. Prayer that has been where we've been on our knees to ask. When the Lord has answered, we go back to that same place on our knees and we give thanks and give thanks to the Lord. Then we think of the disciples with uh, when our Lord ascended up into heaven They'd lost their Lord. Their Lord had been taken up. He is no longer with them. But how clearly they could see, how clearly they could understand then the wonderful triumph and glory of the Lord. We read at the end of this Gospel, Gospel according to Luke, they worshipped him. That is, when he was parted from them, carried up into heaven, they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. That was their employ. May we be in company with them when we're able to see and believe the Lord, even though we may say, well, he's parted from us for a season. And then we're in company with that host of the saints in heaven and the people, the great hosts of heaven. In Revelation chapter 7, we read from verse 11 of those angels that stood around the throne, the elders about the throne. What are they saying? Amen. Blessing. They're worshipping God. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honour and power and might be unto our God for ever and ever. Amen. And it's in this context where there's that asking, what are these which are arrayed in white robes? Whence came they? These are they that came, which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, serve him day and night in his temple. And these are beautiful words to be in company with those in heaven, those that give thanks. And may we be accustomed to that here below, giving thanks for the deliverances, for helps, and remember that one day we shall be able to give thanks with nothing to mar that thanks, a complete victory. Forever with the Lord, forever giving thanks and glory to the Lord. 
May we be amongst that separated number then, ones that are made distinctive by this, that they return to give thanks unto God. There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger, no more a stranger or a guest, but like a child at home. May the Lord add his blessing. Amen.